Hello and welcome to Darling, You're Different, a collaborative podcast that strives to unpack and question the obstacles that may be stopping you from achieving your full potential. My name is Charlotte and I am here to ultimately help you live a healthier, happier and more successful life. Welcome back to another episode of Darling, You're Different. Today, I have the very special pleasure of chatting to a truly incredible woman. She has spent the past five years specializing in functional medicine and dietetics at Australia's number one health college. This woman has worked closely with high performers and athletes Australia-wide to overcome the plateaus in their success. She has now transitioned into the reproductive health space, particularly working alongside women experiencing PCOS, endometriosis, and fertility. This woman has a deep passion for natural health and strives to educate and empower people to optimize their own well-being, leading them to make informed health decisions. So with great pleasure, I would love to welcome to my show, Natasha Godfrey. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. I really, really appreciate you. And I'm super excited to share some gold nuggets today. So all the listeners have something to take home and to be able to implement within their everyday lives. So I see a lot of the time people think that they need to go out and spend money on supplements or really expensive programs and courses and all the things, but I want to be able to give people today some tangible things that they can go and do that are inexpensive and are small things that can really impact their health on a greater level. You honestly could not have said that better because I know that you truly have so much value and knowledge and even experience in the things you do. And I was even reading up about you and just like looking at the, like the vast variety of things and like careers you've kind of entered. So I know gold nuggets is literally the perfect word for it because I know that the listeners will get so much out of today and I'm just so excited. So as we jump into it, I always love to start my episodes with just a little get to know you, ask you a couple of quick questions. So we're all on the same page. How does that sound? Yeah. Amazing. Let's go. Cool. So how old are you? Me, I am 24. I'm turning 25 in August very, very soon. It actually made me think about it for a second. I think once you get past like 21, you're like, wait, how old am I again? <laughs> it's so true. I, I'm 24 also. And I was chatting to someone the other day and I was like, I'm 23. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not anymore. That that flipped over a few months ago. Yeah, um, it happens, happens all the time. <laughs> it does. But um, where are you from and where are you living now? Um, so originally I'm actually from country New South Wales. So it's right on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. I'm a little town called Denelegrin. So there's only about 8,000 people there. Um, so you just about know everyone growing up, which is really nice. It's got its benefits for sure. Um, however, as you grow older and you finish high school, unless you have a business there or you're a male, a specific male in a trade or something like that, or you're working on a farm, there's really not many options. So you definitely most people move away to go to university as I did. So after high school, I went straight to Melbourne and I started studying architecture. So yeah. (laughs) And in school, the only thing I really enjoyed was art and anything design and anything 
creative, essentially. Everything else I pretty much hated. I even hated science at that time, which is really funny now in the field that I'm in. And yeah, so I went to Melbourne, lived there for a year, had some personal things happen. And then I ended up moving home for a few months. And then I knew I never wanted to live in Denny ever again. And I was like, I'm only here for three months and then I'm gone. I don't care where I'm going. And I ended up in the Gold Coast and I've been here ever since I've been here for the last five years. And yeah, it was kind of like a spur of the moment. I'd only ever been to the Gold Coast once before. And that was when I was, I think maybe like 11 or 12, I went with family, family friends and they invited me for a trip up to the Gold Coast. And that was the only time I'd ever been here before. I didn't even like the hot weather at that time. You know, I lived in <laughs> Melbourne. I love, I love the cold weather. It was kind of just sporadic. It was a really, it was a massive moment of really just trusting what I innately knew and really trusting that deep intuition that we all have. And it was just, okay, I'm being led here. I don't know why, but I've got to go there. Well, worked out. I've been here ever since. Oh my God. That's really cool. And I love hearing stories about that, how people just like literally just pack up and leave and they just, it's the best thing they've ever done. And yeah, wow. I am excited to jump into that transition as well, but a couple more questions before we do. So what does happiness mean to you? Oh, oh, we're going deep already. I love it. (laughs) it. What does happiness mean to me? Happiness to me is being able to be present within every moment and to be able to enjoy the simple things in life. So it's really come apparent to me, especially in the last six to 12 months about the ability to slow down. So in the past, for me, I was very I'm, very, I'm still very type A, very go, 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 very ambitious, wanting to do all the things at once. And I'm such, I'm very, very much a visionary. So I'm always moving so quickly through time and I can see things, you know, 12 months ahead. Okay. I know where I'm going. I just want to get there now. And sometimes I have to like slow down and be like, okay, Tash, like I still need to go through what I'm going through right now, even though I can see where I'm going so far ahead in the future. So happiness to me has really changed and evolved over the last six to 12 months when I went through a really big period of, I would pretty much call it burnout. And in the past, I never believed in burnout. It was this big term, especially within like functional medicine and naturopathic medicine, like burnout was this massive thing. And I was like, oh, it doesn't even exist, like whatever. And it was when I was like doing finishing studies. It was when I was building my business. It was when I was doing courses. I was doing so much. I was on seven days a week and like 12, 14 hour days. And I was just going, 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 burning the candle at both ends. And it wasn't until a little bit of time later that I realized, oh my God, I, like this is just too much for my nervous system. I had to stop training. I love to like do powerlifting. I had to stop doing that. I really just had to slow down in like all aspects of my life, even the things that I loved so much, like powerlifting, for instance. And that was a massive hit to my ego. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like, you know, all the times I've worked so hard for all of this, you know, consistency and all these things. And then it's like, okay, I've actually got to slow down because my nervous system just cannot handle this right now. I was going through a lot of emotional changes in my personal life and then adding all the things that I was doing as well is just the accumulation of too much and it just really got me to the point of enjoying this time of slowing down and enjoying the little moments in life because that's what really matters 
it's really about this, like when people always say, it's really about enjoying that process of becoming that person that you want to be. And it's in those, it's in those little things and in those little moments that you can really sit back and be grateful for. So yeah, happiness to me is being able to enjoy those beautiful little moments because they're the moments that you're going to remember the most. Yeah. And it's so true. And I love that you touched on that because that's what we're all about here on this podcast is just doesn't necessarily have to be loving the big things in life, but it's recognizing the little things for what they are and using that as your fuel and like finding the happiness in just the little things every day. So I love that you mentioned that. A fun question here. What is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. Oh, the first thing that came to my head was kimchi. Uh, Random. Um, okay, probably actually probably like three things: kimchi, beetroot, and goat's cheese. Oh, and beef liver. That'd probably be my four favorite things. Definitely. Yes, I love how different yeah. all of those foods yeah. are. So good. And like mm. all together, amazing. Like, yeah. Beetroot was my favorite thing. Like that's been my OG favorite thing. Like I don't have like a favorite dish really. It's just really yep. like beetroot. Kind of random. And yeah, I love that ever since I was a kid. And when I was a kid, as you're fussy and you don't eat anything, um, my mum used to cook spaghetti and I hated the like mince with the tomato sauce. I like it now. But as a kid, I hated it. So my mum used to make me like have the spaghetti and I would put beetroot and cheese on it, which was so random. But obviously I liked it. And ever since then, I just love beetroot. Anything with beetroot just makes everything better, really. And goat's cheese and beetroot, amazing. And Great combination as well. Yeah, so good. Oh, and kimchi, you can just put on anything. So, like, I put kimchi on absolutely everything and just, like, I'll just have, like, something basic and just kimchi is, yeah. (laughs) Remind me what kimchi is. It's, like, fermented. Is it cabbage? Yeah, so it's fermented cabbage, so it's really good probiotic. So it's got all your live bacteria and stuff like that in it, Um, and it's got lots and lots of chili in it. and spices and stuff so it's like really spicy it's really delicious but all right I'll have to give it a whirl I haven't gotten on that train yet yeah yeah but there's you have to get if you buy it yourself definitely get the Kiehl's brand in the glass jar that's the best one I've tried everyone (laughs) I love that okay cool I'll grab that this week yeah now final question to kick start us off for today and I love this question actually no there's two more Cool. So let's do these because they're both great questions. But what is something that you've learned this week? Oh, something that I've learned this week that I'm super fucking powerful and I can attract anything that I need or want in my life, essentially. So the last few months has been pretty hectic for me, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, all the things. We all go through some crazy times within life. And sometimes, especially when you're running a business, Sometimes that can take a little bit of the backseat and especially when you're going through something emotional. So as you know, I'm a mindset coach as well. So I help a lot of clients through a lot of emotional turmoil. And during that time, it's like, okay, sometimes like what I said earlier, when I had to slow down, something needs to take the backseat sometimes. And it doesn't mean stopping it completely, but it just means you might need to slow down other aspects. So my business had slowed down a little bit and that was intentional because I couldn't hold the tension of everything that I needed to in that moment. And the last few weeks, I've just been able to refocus and recalibrate and just remind myself of how amazing I am at what I do and how I can help serve other people and how amazing that makes me feel that I can help support other people through their journeys as well. So 
the last couple of weeks has really been a massive testimony to the power of serving other people and how much it can really fill your cup up by helping other people and the impact that you can create as well, which is super, super powerful. So I'm massively grateful for the last few weeks of reminding me that, you know, after the, after the challenging times, you will see the sunshine again, which is really, really cool. So yeah, super excited about that. I love that. And I'm really excited to jump in specifically about what you do. But last but not least, what is something that made you smile today? Oh, jumping on this podcast, actually. I was really, really excited. I haven't been on a podcast for a little while and it's always super fun and super spicy to come and have a conversation and bounce off one another's energy and you never know what's going to come up. You never know. That's my favourite part of it too. <laughs> like you might start one way and then you end up down this rabbit hole and you're like, was really cool. (laughs) Expect the unexpected. (laughs) So let's jump straight into it. So you touched on your power and I would love to know in your words, what are you doing at the moment? Yeah. Amazing. So what I'm doing at the moment is integrating naturopathy and mindset coaching and trauma coaching. So essentially the reason that I got into this path was I was obviously starting to be a naturopath and loved all the health space. And I was working very much on the physical body and everything like that, pathophysiology, you know, the scientific research, all that sort of really hard, solid knowledge, right? And as a naturopath, we do treat holistically. So we're looking at the person's whole health. We're looking at their relationships. Do they like their job? Are they living their purpose? You know, then we're looking at, you know, your digestion, your nervous system, you know, your kidney function, your liver function, all those types of things. We're looking at your whole life, your environment, right? And what I found was the more I got into it was I found myself in consultations, coaching clients. And a lot of people were coming there for a lot of emotional support. And whilst we can treat a lot with herbals for emotional support and for stress support, I found that I was only getting so far. And that's what got me down the track of, I went and studied NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. I'd worked with numerous coaches myself to work on my own trauma and to let go of my own personal limitations and limiting beliefs and negative emotions and childhood trauma. And the main pinnacle moment for me was when I really integrated the two was I had this client and he was very, very dear to me because he was one of the main catalysts for this integration that I made in my, in my business and in my personal life as well, was he came in and what happened was his illness sort of came out of nowhere. He was, you know, two years before it happened, he was a healthy guy. There's nothing wrong with him, fit, working, doing all the things, right? Mid forties. And then he came in and he said he'd had a triple bypass surgery out of nowhere. He had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all the things that all the cardiovascular presentations. And what I asked was, is, well, what happened two years ago? And then he just burst out and in tears and there was a very traumatic experience that he had when his wife passed away in a car accident that he was at fault for. And he wasn't aware of it until he came out of a coma himself that she'd passed away. And yeah, your response, right? And in Chinese medicine is the heart's really associated with grief. And if you can see the timeframe within the two year timeframe, the accumulation of that deep, intense grief and how it manifested physically 
from the chronic inflammation, from the chronic stress. And then it's manifested into having a triple bypass surgery, which is one of the most major surgeries you can get, right? Mm. And that just was a turning point for me to to really integrate the two of integrating the physical and the mental work together so I can really help my clients in the most beneficial way for them that's going to serve them the most. Because the more I've learned is if someone's body is in a state of stress or which most of us are, right? Most of us are in this fight or flight response most of the time. You know, our cortisol's out of whack. You know, we're running on coffee or stimulants. We're overstimulating our body with all the technology and all the things and we're not slowing down. So most of us, when a client comes into me or just in general, some their body's in a state of stress. So if we don't address that state of stress first, primarily, that gut healing protocol is not going to work. That liver support is not going to work. That detox program that you've put yourself on is not going to work if you are stressed out because your body's going to prioritize that state of fight or flight or overstimulation in the sympathetic nervous system. It's not going to want to do anything else. So if your hormones are out of whack, something else is going on, you need to deal with the stress first so your body has the vitality to heal. Because if you don't have the vitality to heal in the first place, you're just going to make yourself worse. You're just going to make yourself worse. I love that you brought up that story because we actually briefly touched on that in our own chats a couple of days ago. And I think I mentioned to you that I loved that story story in particular because I used to be a nurse on the cardiothoracic ward. And as some of the, like I was working hand on hand with patients that had just had the bypass surgery and it was amazing that we, when we'd send them home, we'd give them a little information package, give them a bit of education and tell them that it's completely normal to experience these like symptoms of depression and feeling really low and feeling sad and like allowing these, most of the patients were men. I don't want to generalize, but like you will experience these feelings, but that, that was kind of it in the sense of the education. Like it was just like, go speak to someone, have good supports. And the second you mentioned that, I was like, isn't that crazy that like in Western society, there's parts of us that explain it, but we never really delve into the whys. So knowing that you work with that trauma healing, what specifically, or I guess in your words, is the connection between the body and the mind and the energy really? The connection between the mind and the body. Well, what is it <laughs> between the mind and the body? We work, We are energetic beings at the core of things, you know, we are quantum physics at the base level. If we really want to chunk down into the specifics of what we are and our physical body is just mainly our physical body that's in this, in this human field. Right. Mm. And it's also, if you've ever heard of something called bioresonance frequency healing. So it's like the different radio frequencies and the different vibrational frequencies that are traveling through time and space. So different frequencies, the same thing, vibrate at the different frequencies of the different organs and the different emotions and things like this. So that might explain a little bit more about the connection that you may be wanting in regards, like a tangible connection um, that you may want in regards to that. Because if we're talking about the mind and body connection on that deeper level, it might go a little bit, might go a little bit down a rabbit hole. (laughs) But 
we're talking on like a frequency level if you know certain emotions vibrate at certain frequencies so if we're down at like a low vibrational frequency say like sadness or something like that we're more likely to attract things that are vibrating at that frequency maybe it might be an argument maybe it might be you know, I'm not feeling good enough or something like that. Or maybe, you know, you end up getting sick or whatever it may be because you're down on that low vibrational frequency in comparison to being at a high vibrational frequency where you're more likely to have higher vitality, more energy, more focus, more clarity, you know, more intuition. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's one of my mentors, he does the bioresonance frequency healing and you can even look them up on YouTube, like really good ones. Um, I can give you a link and you can share it with the audience on here as well for certain conditions as well. So this is definitely not my field of expertise. I'm barely touching the surface of it, but in regards to that different health conditions or, you know, things like bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth and stuff like this, these different frequencies and sound healing can really be beneficial for those. So for instance, a lot of my clients that come to me have candida. So like a fungal overgrowth, and it's typically a pretty nasty one. And it's a bit of a pain in the bum trying to get rid of sometimes, especially vaginal candida. And this frequency, I got one of my clients to try it. And as soon as she did, one of the symptoms of candida is like extreme fatigue, like fatigue where you could sit there and you could just fall asleep in the chair. And she was listening to it and studying and she fell asleep midway through. And it's because that frequency is vibrating that same frequency as the fungal or whatever it may be. So it's just matching that sound frequency. So it's the same as like when we're on this Zoom call right now that it's transmitting frequencies and then it's mm-hmm. and it's contacting. I'm butchering the explanation of this. My <laughs> yeah but I definitely have to get my partner to explain it he's better at the radio frequencies being a submariner but yeah it's all about different frequencies and the same thing in regards to the different emotions that resonate with the different organs of the body this exact same thing oh that's really cool I've never heard someone touch on that the organs have different frequencies like it makes sense if everything's energy then everything has different frequencies but you're the first person I've actually come across that's mentioned that One thing I would love to hear from you is actually, obviously I mentioned in your intro that you transitioned from working with athletes to now specializing with women, particularly with reproductive health. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that transition? Like why, why did you transition? Like, yes, they're very similar, but they're also very different in their own senses. Yeah, absolutely. So initially I was working primarily with high performance athletes, business owners, entrepreneurs, and I still work with them a little bit because obviously it's something that I've worked in for a while and I still attract a lot of them types of clients and your business changes as you change. Mm -hmm. And that was a reality. So when I was in that space of, you know, high performance, doing powerlifting, you know, tracking macros, being very rigid and all the things, that's the type of clients that I was attracting. And ironically it wasn't until I healed one of my own traumas around becoming a parent and childbirth myself so in the past I was actually told that I wasn't able to have children and it was when I was younger and I was like you know I was young you know 18 19 whatever I was just like no it's not going to bother me right now it's not really a problem yet and I obviously held that trauma close to me because I remember seeing how distraught my mum was. My mum's a mother of six children. She absolutely loves children. It's a crazy woman. And the distraught on her face that I wouldn't be able to be given that opportunity that she was 
that she had and that she would love to be able to give me that the look on her face was absolutely heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking to be able to see your daughter in that position where potentially she wouldn't be able to have her own child herself. And I I didn't realize at the time that how much it affected me. And that happens a lot of the time when we go through specific traumas or experiences that in the time or in the moment, we may not comprehend how much this is affecting us on a subconscious level. And, you know, years went on and, you know, I was like, whatever, I used to just brush it off. It was like, you know, people would joke about it. When are you having a baby or things like this? I'm like, no, no, like I don't, I don't want kids, even though like I've been around children my whole life. I helped raise my brothers. I've got five nieces and nephews. Like it's, you know, it's innate, it's innate in women anyway, to be a mother or to mother, regardless if it's your child or not. And anyway, time went on and it wasn't until I was presented with something last year that it really put on, it really put in my forefront to a vision that, hey, this is, this is something you really need to deal with. Because I felt like I did all, I've done all the work, like, and you continue to do personal development, you continue to overcome traumas and challenges and difficulties and stuff like this. And I thought I'd, you know, pretty much done the crux of it, the main things. Like you'll still have things come up and evolve as you grow and evolve. That's that's innate, even because you're a mindset coach, doesn't mean you don't go through challenges and things like that. Just might mean that you move through them a little bit more quickly or more efficiently and or you just have more um, strategies to go through it. And, yeah, it wasn't until I was presented with, hey, this is something you haven't dealt with. And it was something that I actually did not want to deal with. And that was the reason. I. That's what we do when we've got an emotional trauma or any type of challenge. We usually just suppress it and suppress it and suppress it until – we suppress it so much that it's so uncomfortable that we don't have any other option but to deal with it or that it becomes so big that it's about to burst and if you don't deal with it, you're either going to go downhill or you're going to go down the wrong path and whatever that path may look like. And I just had to really face it head on and it was freaking difficult. It was very, very difficult to recognize and realize that the thing that I pretended that I didn't want the most was the thing I actually wanted the most. Why do you think that is? Like, were you pretending to maybe cover up that version of yourself that you didn't want to admit to being? Yeah, it's definitely like a trauma response. We, we pretend that we don't want something when we believe that we can't have it. And it's to protect ourselves. So we don't get hurt or that we don't feel sad when, you know, potentially it may happen and then it doesn't it's just a coping mechanism that we put ourselves through and and it's totally normal I'm sure like some of the listeners and maybe yourself can relate when you think something's been taken away from you that you just pretend you just go with the flow with that and pretend that hey that's what I wanted and I just accepted that and even though you know that might not be my reality I just accepted that at that age because I didn't really know any better and obviously that's what's drawn me down to this path is the things that we usually run from the most are the things we end up chasing and that's what really brought me down to this path was when I actually really did the work and healed that trauma around becoming a mother and becoming a parent in whatever way that may look like is what really opened me up to wanting to work specifically more with women I still work with a lot of men. (laughs) Questions from men all the time. I do work with a lot of men still because fertility is male as well. 
and yeah. hormones are male as well. And that's essentially what brought me down this path was, hey, the things that it was right there the whole time and I just pretended it wasn't. Yeah. I would love to know just from what you were just speaking about is what has been, if if you're okay with talking about it, but what has been your relationship with your own body through that process? Like have you noticed changes whilst healing that trauma or was there physical signs that maybe that was something you needed to bring up more than just emotional? Oh, that's such a juicy question. That's such a juicy question. So yeah, absolutely. 100%. So definitely in the past, I was very much in my masculine, very, very much in my masculine, you know, very like doing the task, doing the thing, very driven, you know, I was living on my own. So I was very paying the bills, doing the things, very structured, very goal orientated. And within that point, I was very, you know, barriers up as well. And I was so much in my masculine. It was just hilarious. And once I did heal that trauma, I found myself very much stepping into more of a feminine space and really going more into the flow and going more into my intuition and just allowing things to happen when they needed to happen. So like as women, when we're on our cycle in the 30 days of the month, give or take, is that we flow in and out of different moods and different cycles and we're just going with that flow. So some days we may need something else and may need, some days we may need a little bit more rest and some days we might need a little bit more of this and just allowing ourselves to, to do what we need to do within that moment and being more kind to ourselves. And that's where I found myself really dropping back into that space. And it was really beneficial for my relationship as well because there's obviously in a relationship there's that masculine and feminine dynamic and we can flow in between both. However, typically when you want a successful relationship, you do need to be one or the other in that moment, especially when you're connecting on that deeper level, really, really important because otherwise you see that that dynamic of if a woman's really like, sometimes us women we need to be in our masculine and sometimes men need to, need to be in their feminine, right? That's totally cool. We need, we need both. We need both. However, sometimes when I'm in business and maybe I'm doing all my spread, spreadsheets and finances and stuff like that, I might be in my masculine a little bit more. However, when I come home and when I want to be with my partner and connect and have that loving relationship that we have, it's really surrendering to that and, and allowing him to be the masculine and allowing myself to drop back and be that feminine so we can collaborate together in a loving relationship in the dynamic that works really well. It's like using that polarity, I guess you could say, so there is that like ease of flow, which yeah. I love that. And I love that you um, brought in the cycle here because obviously that's something that you currently work quite heavily in. And what I want to know is personally from experience, I hope my siblings are okay with me talking about this, but I have a couple of siblings. I'm also from one of six. And I think there is two sisters specifically that have been diagnosed with endometriosis and PCOS and a query for the other ones, but they haven't looked into it. But what are those things? Like some people are like, what is PCOS? What is endo? How does it affect the women's body? How does it affect the cycle? I guess that's a really loaded question, but we can break it up. Yeah, cool. So very, very, very simply, if we're looking at something like PCOS, typically that's more androgen dominant. So that's more of your male hormones. It's very male hormone dominated. And then if we're looking at something like estrogen, that's typically more of an estrogen dominance. Oh, so we might go into PCOS first, if that's okay. 
So PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So a lot of the times, I will say a lot of the times, this is actually misdiagnosed. And there's four different types of PCOS. So you can have like post-pill, so you really need to know which type of PCOS it is first before obviously going into anything. So to diagnose PCOS, you need to have high androgens, you need to have either high androgens on a blood test or symptoms of high androgens. So it might be like, you know, facial hair growth is a typical one for women and the facial hair growth is usually, you know, around the chin or, you know, around the jaw or on the chest and, you know, snail trail and stuff like that. And, you know, the hair where, you know, women don't typically grow hair, usually in the male areas, right? Lots of acne and stuff like that. It's usually the symptoms. Ultrasound as well. Um, You can have polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound, Usually that's where it's misdiagnosed. So a lot of the times someone will just get an ultrasound and that's it. So that is not a diagnosis of PCOS at all. You definitely need to have the symptoms or the blood analysis of high androgens as well for that. Really, really, really important. So that's definitely three things that you definitely need to check off, definitely for PCOS. And in regards to the follicles in the ovaries, sometimes this can happen if we're not ovulating. So if we're not ovulating, then obviously the follicles are going to stay within the ovaries and they're not actually going to mature and obviously go down um, the fallopian tubes. So sometimes that can happen. And actually what can happen is, and what happened to me as well was, you know, you can go and get an ultrasound and have like cystic ovaries or polycystics. They're not actually cysts, they're follicles. And you can actually go and get an ultrasound done and you might have follicles, more than one follicle in your ovary, and then you might get an ultrasound done in the next six months and they might, might all be gone. So it's it's not a definite or diagnostic tool at all in regards to that. So when we're talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, definitely make sure you're getting it diagnosed properly first. Um, definitely got a lot of stuff on my Instagram about that as well. And there's four different types of polycystic ovarian syndrome. So you can have post-pill PCOS, you can have inflammatory PCOS, you can have adrenal PCOS, and you can have like inflammatory adrenal post-pill, and you can have like like a non-discretionary one where it's like, okay, we're not really sure why you've got this one. But the most typical is post-pill. And that's because for a long period of time, you've been taking a synthetic hormone, whether it be mini pill, whether it be progesterone only, whether it be a mixture, whether it be a combination, whatever it may be. And what can happen is after it is your body has to re-regulate your natural hormones. And when it's regulating your natural hormones, obviously there's going to be a bit of imbalance going on. And typically that can happen with the surge in the male hormones. And that's when you're getting that post-pill PCOS and you're having irregular cycles, your body's trying to re-regulate probably not ovulating, your progesterone probably not going high enough to stimulate ovulation and all those types of things. And then it can either be like a post-pill PCOS or it can be like a hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when you're just not having a cycle from lots of stress. When we talk about stress, it's stress specifically isn't just, you know, hey, I've got so much going on in my life. Stress can be that internal stress that we don't even know that's happening. So that can be like inflammation. It can just be blood sugar irregularities, it can be all different things. That was number four, insulin-resistant PCOS as well. That can be another massive factor is with women with PCOS, I see a lot of the time is women aren't regulating their blood sugars properly. And 
what I see is low calorie diets or low protein, low fat diets. And I see it time and time again, women eating under, especially coaching a lot of athletes and stuff like that is women eating under like 50 grams of fats. It's just like, this is just crazy, right? You need fat and you need cholesterol, particularly to create hormones. And most women are, you know, either vegan, vegetarian, not eating any cholesterol at all. And then it's like, okay, well, how, how do we create hormones if we don't have healthy cholesterol within the body? And there's another debate around cholesterol as well. People are all fearful of cholesterol, but if you're eating great quality cholesterols, like good quality eggs and grass fed butter and things like this, it's actually beneficial for the body. Yeah. Especially when you've got hormone problems. So in regards to PCOS, my top tips for that is definitely number one is regulate your blood sugar is definitely number one. So making sure that you're eating regular meals. So always, always, my number one tip is always eat your dinner for breakfast. And a lot of my clients eat like slow cooked meats for breakfast with like vegetables or some rice and some avocado, or it might be like a full like sort of dinner meal or leftover dinner, whatever it may be. So a nice high protein, higher fat diet. So still eating decent amount of carbohydrates. It's not about neglect, like it's not a keto diet by any means, <laughs> um, but it is a higher fat, higher carbohydrate, a uh, higher fat, higher protein diet is what I usually give a lot of my um, PCOS clients as well. And definitely reducing inflammation, reducing stress, really, really important as well. And definitely working with someone and making sure you're getting the right diagnosis is really crucial. Yeah. I love just everything that you touched on then, but especially just the basics of educating yourself and knowing what to fuel your body with. Because in mainstream media these days, it can be so easy to like, look at all these TikTok breakfasts and look at all these girls on like what I eat in a day. And there's literally an apple for breakfast or some rice cakes. And it's like, it's just not enough. And like breaking those beliefs that eating fats make you fat. And literally, I love that you touched on cholesterol because when I think of cholesterol, it's like, oh my God, you're blocking your arteries. Don't eat that. You're going to give yourself a heart attack. But it's knowing the education and the science behind it and knowing how the body actually responds to it. And it's definitely not taught enough these days in education for one, but also just in life, which is crazy. Like I heard someone talk about, and it's, it's actually talked about a lot, but just the basic supermarket structure. Like why is there one aisle that's labeled the health food aisle? Why is the whole supermarket, like what else is in the supermarket if it's not good for you or fueling your body in some way, which, oh, that's a rabbit hole in itself. (laughs) Right. And just circling back to like cholesterol as well. If you've got high cholesterol, one of the main markers that I check for is, is your vitamin D low? Is your vitamin D low? Because very, very commonly that's why it is. And so it's not that massive marker of to be scared and to be fearful of atherosclerosis and all the things, right? And like you touched on as well, like eating enough. So all the women that are definitely listening to this, this is for you, is make sure that you are fueling your body and eating enough food. I see time and time again, even with my weight loss clients, is they're just not eating enough. They're just not eating enough. One of my superstar clients, Christy, she was weighing over 120 kilos and, you know, had thyroid problems and stuff like that as well, which can hinder weight loss. However, she was just eating next to nothing. Like I would eat more for breakfast than she would in a whole day. 
And she was like, why, why aren't I losing weight? It's like, you're not eating enough. You are not eating enough. You're not allowing your body enough energy to be able to do the functions and processes that your body needs to do. Like for instance, women need at least 150 grams of carbohydrates a day just to fuel your brain, just to fuel your brain. That's like, that's probably like six bananas, five or six bananas. What are they like? 20 grams of carbs a banana. banana. So there's like more, probably like more than six bananas. Wow. I've never heard of that or thought of that. Yeah so important so like carbohydrates are really really important and for women like no fasting you don't need to fast I hate fasting and all the research on intermittent fasting has been done on men there's not been one study done on a female in regards to intermittent fasting men have a 24-hour hormonal cycle women have you know a typical 28-day give or take cycle so fasting is not optimal for us at all and you see, I see time and time again, my clients that in the past fasted and then I, they actually have some food for breakfast or before the gym. They're like, oh, wow, I actually have more energy. Oh, who, who would have thought it? Who would have thought by eating some food, you'd have more energy? I would never have known. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like, if your body's telling you you're hungry, listen to your body and eat the food. <laughs> right. Because there's this yeah. fear response around eating. We've created so much fear around, oh, what can I eat? You know, it has to have to have this 100-calorie snack, this high-protein, whatever, and it's just like keep it simple. It's really not that challenging. Eat your quality proteins, eat your quality fats, eat some carbohydrates with the meals, drink lots of water. It's really that simple. And eat eat meals, eat proper meals. Like a lot of the time, like people just are eating little things here and there or anything like that, but if you're eating three or four good meals a day, you should be good. Like definitely you can still have snacks, but unless you're eating three or four good meals a day, then like what's the point? Do you have any advice for people that, again, might not necessarily know this or might just have that apple for breakfast, but what is a good way they can measure? Maybe they are getting enough protein, fats, carbs into their diet. Like I know there's all those different, like your hand and your fist and, but if that makes sense, like the measurement sizes. (laughs) Um, Do you have a good way that people can just maybe stop and it doesn't necessarily need to be tracking or this Mm -hmm. or that, but just visually looking at it? Yeah, well, it it definitely depends like what you're eating for. So, you know, like we are saying, like PCOS people might eat a little bit more fat than the average type of person. But in regards to, you know, portion sizes, eating, just eating till you're satiated and, eating to your satiate is really important. So you could always eat your, if you're doing it for blood sugar, like eating your vegetables first and then eating your proteins and then eating your carbohydrates in that way and regulating it through that is really a good way to do it. Or just trial and error, like don't overcomplicate things. Like obviously as a healthcare practitioner, I look at all these specific things. However, keep it simple, like just keep it simple and listen to your body. Like if you're feeling full, stop eating. Yeah. Like if you're feeling full, stop eating. Or, you know, if you're still hungry, what did you eat in that meal? Was there enough protein? Was there enough good quality fats? What if you're craving something after it? It's like, okay, well, if you're craving sugar or something after it, have I actually fueled myself properly in that meal? Probably not. So questioning yourself around those types of things. And especially recently in the past, I did track every single calorie that I ate. Obviously, being a performance athlete, uh, you know, weight loss clients, I still do that a little bit. I'm going away from it a lot now. 
it's definitely a great process for structured weight loss, structured weight gain, that type of thing. Performance, absolutely, really, really important. However, I feel like for the general population, it's really important to learn just how to fuel your body with the right quality foods. So for me now, it's steering more away from, you know, tracking or counting or things like that. Like I definitely do that intuitively because I've been trained that way anyway. However, I feel like for the general population, it's it's learning those different cues of your body. So eating until you're satiated and then stopping or making sure you're not drinking water between your meal, drinking a glass of water before, like having some apple cider vinegar before to stimulate your digestive digestive enzymes and then not drinking water while you're eating, sitting down while you're eating, not being on your phone while you're eating. So being present (laughs) and actually doing those simple things that none of us actually do anymore, right? And it's like, oh, why did I just overeat? Oh, probably because you're scrolling Instagram the whole time. Or maybe because you were doing 10 things at once or maybe because you were eating in the car. So just really stripping things back and being like simplifying everything because that's what health is about. Health is not complicated. We just make it complicated with all these gimmicks and Instagrams and TikToks and all this stimulation that we get when it's really not that complicated and we can make it as simple and easy as we want. Wow. I love that. And it's so true because it hit a chord for me because I know the other day I was eating meal and I was on my phone and I looked down and I was like, oh, it's finished. Where'd my meal go? And I, for a moment I was like, oh, Charlotte, put your phone away. <laughs> Just focus on what, and it was such a good meal as well. I was like, oh, well, that's it. That's done now. And then literally what you were saying is like, I was like, oh, okay, what now? But I guess jumping from that topic altogether, there's so many things I want to touch on with you. I am mindful of your time today. But in a recent post that you actually put on Instagram, you're speaking about healing being a matter of time, but sometimes it's more a matter of opportunity. I would love if you could touch on this in your own words. Yeah, healing is a matter of time and a matter of opportunity. Yeah. It's a quote from Hippocrates. So he's one of our traditional healers in naturopathic medicine. And it pretty much means to me, what it means to me, my interpretation of it is healing is going to happen regardless. And sometimes if we do it on our own, maybe it might take a little bit more time. Yeah, it might be the opposite way around for you. Maybe it might be quicker. However, from my perception of it is with healthcare and with optimizing yourself, Sometimes we need a tribe. Sometimes we need a healthcare team. Sometimes we need more than one person to help support us through that journey. And it is a matter of opportunity. So making yourself open and aware of opportunities around you all the time because opportunities are all around you. And if you're someone that's got hormonal issues, if you're someone that's got digestive issues, you're experiencing infertility, something like this, these things are going to be in your in your frontal cortex. These things are going to be in the forefront of your mind if that's what you really want. It's like if you're wanting success or if you're wanting to attract a new podcast listener or you're wanting to attract a new client or whatever it may be, that's going to be in your reticular activating system. So it's going to be in the forefront of your brain and that's going to be the thing that you're going to be searching for. It's like when you're driving in the car park and you're like, okay, I need to find a car park. That's that first thing that you're going to notice because you've made yourself consciously aware of that thing. And it's the same thing when we're talking about opportunity and if we're looking for it, we will find it. So if you're looking for someone to help support you with your health journey 
or if you're looking for a particular partner or whatever it may be, a particular coach to help you overcome trauma, whatever it may be, you will find that thing. And that is that opportunity that you are looking for and you will find it. So if you're looking for the opportunity, it will appear. And it is just a matter of time until that happens and allowing yourself to collapse time by looking for that opportunity. So if we just expect it to just pop out of nowhere, if we expect something to just come out of nowhere with no action, it probably would take a long time. But if we are looking for that opportunity consciously and we're we're ready for it, then we'll, we will see it. Yeah. hundred percent. And it, it's even a good reflection. Like you look at the most successful people in the world and they didn't just sit in their ass and like meditate and ask for it. It's like, well, yes, they did, but they put in the work as well and met it halfway, you know, and you can just sit back and think, oh, poor me, like play that victim, or you can get off your ass, work for what you want. And odds are you're probably going to be further than you ever thought you could be because you've just done the work and you've learned so much about yourself, but also the process along the way, which Oh, it's incredible. And it's so powerful in itself. Briefly there, I know we've kind of spoken about it on and off throughout this episode, but I would love to know that maybe something the listeners could take away is what are some, maybe some signs or physical symptoms in the body, whether it be males or females, that potentially they do have a hormonal imbalance or something that they should address or work on. Yeah, absolutely. So First few ones that pop straight to my head is definitely acne. Acne is one of those things. Um, it's a physical presentation. So it's usually acne is one of the, usually the last things to pop up. Um, our skin is one of our largest organs. So all the things are happening internally. And then for it to present on your skin, it must be maybe a little bit more of a longer term thing. It might be quite, um, yeah, hormones might be quite exacerbated for that to happen. So definitely acne. Um, male and female, of course, um, typically associated with a higher androgen or higher male hormones as well. Definitely low libido. I actually posted about this yesterday. Super common. Low libido is not normal. It should not be normal at all. And if it is, it's either a physical thing when we're talking about the physical aspect of it, hormonal imbalance, something like that, or it could be that emotional aspect as well. I seen a funny post. Maybe you don't have a low sex drive. Maybe he's just an asshole. And it was really funny, but really true. And that goes for males and females. You know, if you're not in a partnership that serves you, of course, you're not going to feel in the mood or of course, you're going to have a low libido because you're not attracted to that person or, you know, you're having problems within the relationship. So super important for the physical and emotional side of low libido. Um, What else? Definitely like low energy, like no motivation, really, really massive one as well. Fatigue, um, really common, very blase type of one as well. Mood swings, absolutely. Mood swings, crying easily, you know, getting angry or frustrated crying quite easily. Us women probably quite familiar with that one. Charlotte, you're laughing, so you're like, yep, I can relate to that. Sore breasts, that's really, really common, you know. And specifically for women, um, I did a masterclass on this not long ago was the typical signs of like, what does a normal period look like? And it was just so crazy to notice how most of us, and I speak for myself as well in the past, I had no idea what a normal period should look like. No idea. I had no idea. Like how many days am I actually, what's a normal length of a bleed? Like what's a normal length of a cycle? Most of us know like 28 days. That's probably about it. None of us know, you know, what color, what color is the blood supposed to look like? Is there supposed to be clotting? What pain threshold is normal? What, you know, 
breast tenderness is normal? Should I be getting these headaches all the time? What happens if my periods skips or stuff like this? What happens if I'm spotting in the middle of the month? And all these types of things like I had no idea about. And it's so empowering to be able to teach women, you know, how what these signs are and what's actually normal or what's within range that's normal and what's not. And when when should I actually go and seek help? Oh my God. I love that you just touched on all that because it got me thinking about my own personal experience with my own period. And I guess I'll try to cut it down shortly here. But when I was younger, obviously went on the pill because I thought it was the normal thing to do, start having sex, assumed that was what people did. Um, And I suffered with really bad periods growing up. And I used to have like bad cramps, this and that. But it was only until probably recently when I started this like self-development journey and healing journey that I kind of stopped, like I stopped the pill a couple of years ago now and I like really noticed my period, like I wasn't cramping anymore. My period was only lasting however many days where it used to like last a full week. And then like all of my symptoms were just gone and all of a sudden I had this really good and I still do have this really good relationship with my period because my body just feels okay. Like I'm not feeling like I'm experiencing the those symptoms that I thought was normal, like the heavy bloating, the breast tenderness that you're talking about. Like I just assumed that was normal, but it was only until I started eating better foods, getting more exercise, getting more sunlight on my skin that it's like, I didn't even realize how much it was having an impact on my body until it had happened. So it's really nice to know that, but you're so right. Like we definitely don't get taught enough about what's normal because you know, like men and women alike, like periods are normal. Like without a period, men, women, all of us humans would not be here. And it's like, why do we find it so awkward to talk about it? But it's such a normal thing that happens. So yeah, there's definitely not enough education about that for sure. And I'm super interested in this masterclass. Are you still doing it or is was it a once off? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely going to host it again. It was very, very powerful and everyone got so much knowledge from it as well and also going to host one about tracking your ovulation so the natural it's going to be the secrets to natural contraception because I feel like this is so powerful at the moment and there's such a massive movement of young females just saying no to contraception and that just gets me so excited because I know how powerful and potent it was for me when I came off contraception how phenomenal I felt and how much I was just in tune with my body and I never made sense of that because in the past when I was on, you know, contraception, I thought I was great. I thought, you know, I was on, I had the implant on, which is progesterone only, and I felt pretty good. Like I never had a problem with it personally. I never had a period or like a withdrawal bleed on it either. So I thought that was great at the time. Yeah. And, you know, it was all all good for me, but then it was like, okay, well, when I'm coming off it, like I don't even know when I can get pregnant, like, I don't want to get pregnant right now. So like, what do I do? Like I had no idea. And not to know now that, Hey, you can only actually get, you're only fertile five, six days of the month. It's like, Oh, that would have been nice to know a long time, a long time ago. And maybe I wouldn't have went on contraception. I was so fearful of falling pregnant. It's like, Oh, well maybe if we can empower women to learn to track their ovulation. So ovulations, that point when you're more fertile and that day, usually a typical day 14 and then a few days before and after as well and tracking your ovulation isn't just for avoiding pregnancy but it's also to induce pregnancy as well so your cycle is a vital sign of health it should be like your blood pressure it should be like anything else so when you're going to the doctors they should be asking about all these types of things as well because 
know, it's really important for your bone health. It's really good for your mental health. You know, obviously every month we as women get this beautiful opportunity to release. So it's like an emotional release every single month that we get to let go and release any tension within our body. We get to release, you know, that stagnant blood within the body. And when we're not doing that, when we're on contraception, or maybe if we're not bleeding at all, we can have that buildup of that emotional tension within the body as well. And that's when we're getting them massive emotional breakouts, right? We're feeling angry, frustrated. Everyone's just like, get away from me. You know what I mean? And then when we release, it's like, ah, it's gone now. (laughs) Better now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So super excited to host that masterclass as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. I just think it's going to be really empowering, especially for specifically for women coming off contraception and even for women, women wanting to track their cycle for pregnancy as well. So it can happen. It's good for both ways. Right. And it's just really powerful that we it's information that we should just know, like our partners, men should know it as well. Like it's really empowering for both sexes to know, especially as we get older, fair enough, younger kids probably don't want to make sense of this. But I think once we mature and we have the capacity to make sense of this information and how to utilize it to our benefit, then that's when we should really empower ourselves and really um, take the moment to learn this stuff. Yeah. And it's like using the cycle for our advantage. And I love that you touched on that because I actually spoke a little bit about this with my episode with Maddie Gearin. She plays AFL women's and how they're just only learning now about the power of the cycle and when it's most effective to train and to deload and again, to increase more foods and things like that. So it's like using it as a superpower, using it for your advantage to hit those PBs, hit those health goals. But also you're so right in fertility, like knowing that you don't necessarily get pregnant every time you have sex just because you think that's the way. Or um, again, like the actual struggles of fertility. Like I know that's something that I feel like I've hit that next age group where people are really discovering that. And it's it's quite heartbreaking and disheartening to hear because it's something we're just not educated on. And yeah, it's crazy. I'm definitely interested. So I'll keep an eye out and I'll make sure to linking all my listeners when it comes comes around. So I guess I am very mindful of your time and I've absolutely loved chatting to you today. But um, so where can my listeners find you? Yeah, awesome. So I'm mainly most active on Instagram. I absolutely love Instagram. And they can find me at Natasha Godfrey underscore. And yeah, definitely follow me on there. Send me a DM. I'm happy to have a chat with everyone. More than happy start any conversations around fertility, around hormones or around tracking ovulation. Awesome. And I love to end on this question, if you don't mind. It's just one awesome end with a bang. Beautiful. Let's go. Cool. So what is one piece of advice that has changed your life? Ooh, one piece of advice that's changed my life. The first thing that pops to my head is one of my mentors once said to me, you need to slow down to speed up. And I feel like that's been the theme for today is about slowing down and being present. So sometimes when we are wanting to get somewhere quicker, sometimes we just need to wind it back a little and we'll actually refocus and we'll actually get there much quicker if we just take our time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Darling, You're Different. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star rating and a written review. Also reach out to me on Instagram at charlotte underscore McKinnon and I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. 
but also if there are any guests that you think that I should have on this show or any topics that you would like me to discuss, let me know. I want you to go out today and do something to make someone else smile. I am so grateful to each and every one of you, but most importantly, I want you to remember that, darling, you are different, and that is such a good thing. Thank you.